0: Well, our, our scripture uh, passage this morning is from 2 Corinthians. Uh, if you have the, the black Bibles that are scattered about, uh, you could open up to page 970. 970 uh, or you have your own Bible or Bible app. It's 2 Corinthians 12. We're going to start at verse 11 and go into the first few verses of chapter 13. We're going to finish up 2 Corinthians by the time uh, the month ends, so two more weeks, uh, and we return this week to this passage we've been looking at for several weeks, this, this section. It's this final main section of 2 uh, Corinthians, and here's Paul. He's writing very, very passionately, even a bit sarcastically at times, because he's worried about the Corinthians, and, and specifically these, these false apostles, these rival leaders who have, have snuck into the church and they've been they've been challenging Paul, uh, and they've been criticizing his ministry and, and the truth of the gospel in the midst of it. And Paul is is really anxious because the Corinthians are, are are letting them have this power, this sway over the over the people. So he writes he writes this this section of the letter to really challenge uh, challenge the Corinthians. Uh, most recently, we've we've been seeing how he's been. Uh, willing to kind of play the folly uh, Because these, these rival leaders have been, have been boasting about how great they are uh, How unimpressive Paul is and how great they are So Paul says, okay, you know, two can play that game You want to play the, the boasting game? I'll, I'll join you in that folly Only Paul boasts of his weakness Not the things that make him look impressive, like those guys are doing But the things that make him look weak and unimpressive in the eyes of the world because that's the very power of God. Well, here in this final section, this is where he's kind of wrapping it up. Uh, this this section of of addressing these false uh, false apostles, and so we'll we'll read. And in the midst of it, we'll we'll get to see Jesus. Get to see Jesus. We'll be looking for it. But let's let's read together. Uh, chapter twelve, verse eleven, over to thirteen. 4. I have been a fool. You forced me to it. For I ought to have been commended by you, for I was not at all inferior to these super apostles, even though I am nothing. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. For in what were you less favored than the rest of the churches? Except that I gave myself uh, that, that I myself did not burden you? Forgive me this wrong. Here for the third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. Uh, I will most gladly spend. Uh, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? But granting that I myself did not burden you. I was crafty, you say, and got the better of you by deceit? Did I take advantage of you through any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus to go and and send the brother with him, but did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same spirit? Uh, Did we not take the same steps? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ— and all for your upbuilding, beloved. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may not find—I uh, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish. That perhaps there may be quarrelling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come, my God may humble me before you. And I may have to mourn over many of those who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. This is the third time I'm coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warned those who sinned before, and all others, and I warn them now while absent, as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me. He is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. Well, let's pray for God's word. Lord, would you pray that you would give us understanding of this part of your word, but also, uh, in the midst of that, use it to to show us who you are and the great things you have planned for your people. We pray for that and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. A relationship with the Lord. A relationship with the Lord. Now, now for some of us, uh, that was the kind of earth-shaking idea that really drew us to faith in the first place. Uh, this idea that, that, that the Lord Jesus is not just some kind of big, far-away deity out there, but the, but the idea that the, the mighty Christ himself desires and put into effect and accomplished so that his people uh, would be in a very personal relationship with him. Would be drawn as his children to to walk with him and know him, and, and that was the very point of his work, uh, that we might know him, that we might have a relationship with him. I know, I know. For me, that very idea was just well, it was it was it was earth shaking. Like that's amazing. What what I never heard that before. A relationship with the Lord, but what does that actually look like? Right how. How do, how do we relate to the Lord? Or maybe even more importantly, how does the Lord relate to us? Well, you could, you could do a year's worth of sermons on that subject. Uh, but, but this passage gives us, not everything, but a few important ideas. It, it does it in a very unique way, uh, because it's focused on, on Paul and his relationship with the Corinthians, um, but, but we've been seeing this thing all along in Paul's letter, and he really emphasizes it here, that Paul isn't just this private citizen Christian, that he's an authorized representative of Jesus as an apostle. So that when we see Paul, in a real way, we see a reflection of Jesus. So as we get to, to look at the nitty-gritty of Paul's relationship with the Corinthians, we get this reflection of Jesus' relationship with us. So let's try to, let's try to see that together uh, as we go. Uh, you can divide the passage up into, up into three parts. Uh, they're there in your outline uh, on the back of the bulletin. But let's, let's begin with this. You can't ignore the guy with the badge. You can't ignore the guy with the badge. Uh, Maggie and I are quite fond of, of good British crime dramas and and if you, if you watch those, you know there's just dozens and dozens of scenes where where there's the knocking on the door, you know you have the detective chief inspector and his sidekick, and there's some potential suspect, and there's the knock on the door, and you know how it works. The first thing they do is give their name and their rank, and then flash their credentials every time. Same thing. Here's the badge. Here's the ID. Well, that's essentially what Paul does in the first two verses here. He, he flashes his badge and gives his rank. Uh, so, so look at verses 11 and 12 again. He says, uh, I have been a fool, you forced me to it, for I ought to have been commended by you, for I was not at all uh, inferior to these super apostles, even though I'm nothing. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs, wonders, and mighty works. So Paul talks about these super apostles. It's, it's sarcastic. Uh, these are these rival leaders, these false apostles. Uh, and, and he says, Corinthians, uh, you should have defended me. Uh, y- when these guys were challenging that, that I was a representative of Jesus, you should have come along and said, you guys are wrong. I mean, you should have commended me, defended me, but you didn't. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna have to flash the badge and remind you and them of who I really am, uh, and and he he he, he then says uh, while he restates his rank, uh, I'm not at all inferior to the super apostles. Uh, again, sarcastic, uh, extreme understatement, right? I'm not at all inferior. Yeah, because he's better than them. He he's an actual apostle, and they're fakes. Um, but then then verse twelve is is where he or say he flashes his apostolic badge. He says the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience so he's reminding them that when he first came to corinth to start the church in the first place to preach the gospel and form the, uh, the the initial church in those 18 months he spent with them in the city uh, in the midst of his ministry there uh, god performed through him uh, a whole bunch of miracles uh, probably things like uh, healings, casting out of demons, maybe prophecy, speaking in tongues, things like that. Uh, and Paul though specifically calls them signs of a true apostle. Signs of a true apostle. In other words, they weren't those miracles weren't designed to just be some kind of big flashy show so that everybody was like, ooh, wow. Um, no, they, they were very specifically designed. Uh, to authenticate who he was, right? Almost like a badge, like that he is a true apostle. That is one officially sent out by the Lord Jesus in person, uh, sent out to represent Jesus and form the foundation of the church. An official, authorized representative of Jesus, and that that calling uh, was attested to, authenticated uh, through these. Uh, these miracles, what he calls signs, wonders, and mighty works, uh, which is actually quite specific language in the Bible. It doesn't show up every time there's a miracle. Uh, it's only in isolated instances. Uh, here's probably the most important time it shows up outside of here, uh, is when talking about Jesus. When talking about Jesus. So here's, here's Acts 2. Here's Peter preaching, and he's talking about Jesus. Uh, see if you can catch the similarities. Uh, Peter, speaking, he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. So he uses the same language. Signs, mighty works, wonders. And what was it? It was God working these things through his son Jesus to attest to authenticate, uh, to demonstrate, this is not an ordinary person. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the Son of the Living God. Uh, and, and those things, those signs and wonders, were were this uh, were this declaration that he's the real thing, the the genuine article. So when he, when Paul here talks about uh, these same same things, signs, wonders, mighty works, uh, attesting to his role. Again, he's really emphasizing uh, not him as a private citizen. In fact, he says, uh, "Though I'm nothing, right? Personally, he's, he's not anything special, but he has this role from Jesus. He, he represents Jesus. So you, you you look at Paul and you see authorized representative of Jesus, right? And he's and he's showing us he's showing us his badge, as it were. He's what authenticates uh, who he is, right? That's the that's the whole point." Of, of showing up at the door and flashing your credentials. It, it authenticates who you are, right? Not, not private citizen knocking on the door. Uh, no, this is this is authorized chief detective inspector. Uh, and so therefore, you can't just ignore him, right? Uh, you can't just, like you might a salesman, uh, yeah, no thanks, slam the door. If he's got the badge, you can't do that, or at least not do it and be smart, uh, right? So so part of that's what Paul is saying here, right? If if he, if he is, Paul, who he says he is, uh, the, the credentials authenticating it, Corinthians, I'm sorry, you, you can't just slam the door on me and say, nah, not interested, come back another time. Um, again, Paul's not saying he's anything great in himself. He says, I'm nothing. But he says, as a true apostle, he represents Jesus. Uh, Corinthians, he's saying, look at Paul and see the Jesus he represents. And, of course, that's for us, too. We want to look at Paul and see the Jesus he represents. Uh, and, and, of course, you could say it this way. Jesus has the biggest badge of them all. Uh, it, it's, yes, it's his earthly life and the miracles he did, which he did a lot of them. Uh, but ultimately, what, what shows and demonstrates and authenticates who he is 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 that he died on the cross for his people and then rose again in triumph. And it's that, it's that resurrection conquering of sin and death that is the, the grand demonstration that this is the son of the living God, the Messiah himself, the king. Uh, and, and therefore, if Jesus has that badge, he is who he says he is, the king and lord of all, you see the implications for for our relationship with him. Uh, it, you can't just close the door and say, "Yeah, not interested." Right? If if Jesus arrives at the door, uh, you, you you can't just treat him as if he were a private citizen because he's not. Right? He's he's like that that police officer, that that chief inspector. Right? There's there's a, there's an authority that just can't be ignored safely. This really is the king. Right? Maybe, maybe you're, you're tempted, tempted to think, wow, there's, there's this area of my life. I really don't want Jesus poking his nose in that. All right, I really don't want him messing around there. Uh, yeah, but here's the trick. Uh, Jesus shows up, and he's got that, those credentials. You can't just say, no, sorry, Jesus, because he's the king. He's the Lord of all, but maybe that worries us. Maybe that gets us nervous. You know, if if I if he gets access to all the details of my life, what what's that does that doesn't sound good? I'm scared of that. Maybe that's maybe that's where your mind goes. That's where we need to go to the second point and verses thirteen through eighteen. Uh, call it coming to serve. So 13 to 18, Paul's uh, actually returning to a subject he's brought up before, uh, which is the subject of uh, his refusal to be paid by the Corinthians for his work. So he, he shows up initially to start the church, and he does something there that's a little unique. He doesn't do it everywhere in all his ministry, but in Corinth he does. He, he makes it a point that he will not be paid by the Corinthians for his work. Instead, Paul supports himself. He makes tents and sells them and gets money that way. He has other churches that, that give money. But, but from the Corinthians themselves, he refuses. He will not take their money. Um, and uh, his point is that the, the good news, the Jesus he preaches, it's free. We don't earn it. We don't buy it. But it's a free gift, right? Christ's death and his salvation, it's all free. That's his point. Um, but now Paul is being attacked for that very thing. For, for not taking money uh, it's part of the criticism of those those false apostles they're saying you know look how unimpressive Paul is he doesn't even get paid for this he's a he's an amateur in in that day uh, uh, the, a you know it was a big deal to be a, a public speaker or a, or a teacher uh, and and part of what what really impressed people like this guy's the real deal is you you get Paid for it. You earn your living uh, by that. Ooh, That guy's—he's a—he's a professional. He's, we'll listen to him. Uh, we we compared this a couple weeks ago to uh, to playing football, and and imagined me going up to uh, to Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts and saying, "Hey, you know, I I throw the football around too. Uh, yeah, but he gets paid forty four million dollars to throw the football around, and no one's going to pay you a dime. You could rightly say that. Yeah." And and that's essentially the argument that these false apostles are saying. Come on, Paul, you're you're an amateur. Look, Corinthians, we're the professionals. Uh, That's the argument they're making. And Paul's uh, bringing that up again and saying he's actually going to make a third visit to them now. And guess what? This time, too, he's still not going to get paid. Uh, He he explains it by bringing up uh, parents and children. Uh, He compares himself to a a spiritual parent. The Corinthians is spiritual children in the Lord. And he says, think about it. Uh, Children aren't obligated to save up and pay the way of their parents. Actually, quite the opposite. It's parents who who save up, who who spend themselves and their money to support their their kids. Paul is a spiritual father. He's, He's saying, I didn't show up to take from you, but to give. That's his his big point. That's his big point. He he puts it quite powerfully. Look at at the middle of verse 14. He says, And I will not be a burden, uh, and I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but you. Think of that. I seek not what is yours, but you. And then he follows it up with verse 15. I will most gladly... uh, I, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. I will most gladly uh, spend and be spent for your souls. Uh, and, and again, we're, we're thinking about thinking about Jesus, uh, thinking about Paul and realizing this is this is a reflection of Jesus. Uh, certainly, you could you could do a whole application of this is what a wise leader looks like. Uh, it, it, it is, uh, but but let's especially think. Paul's giving us a little glimpse, uh, a small taste of what Jesus is in big bold colors. That Jesus, uh, the mighty King, with the badge, he shows up not to take, not to steal, but to give. I wonder, and this is part of what tricks us tricks us up, you know. You could be in a whole variety of different places spiritually. Uh, maybe you're here and and you've never committed your life to following Jesus, uh, or or maybe you're you're in a kind of really rough spot spiritually. Kind of things are a little cold, or or, what, or anywhere in between. I wonder if part of what's going on back there somewhere is we're a little bit afraid that. If Jesus shows up at the door and we kind of let him into the whole thing, the whole house, he's just going to take, and that's what he shows up to do—to uh, to just to just steal and take, and and you know, it's kind of—I'm not sure I want that. Uh, these are powerful, powerful uh, reminders from from the Lord about what what Jesus actually actually does. I mean, I mean, taking taking these words, verse fourteen and fifteen. And, and think of them on the lips of Jesus, which is really what, what is being reflected here. Uh, Jesus saying, for I seek not what is yours, but you. Or, uh, or this, verse 15, Jesus saying, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. That, in many ways, that's a summary of Jesus' life, isn't it? That, that he shows up, uh, right? He's the eternal God, but he shows up, the eternal son. He takes the lowest place, the place of a servant. Uh, and, and he doesn't show up to take. He shows up to give everything, right? His whole earthly life, whether it's through his teaching or his miracles or his feeding, he just pours out and pours out and pours out. And the great high point of his life is the great high point of him giving everything. Right? Even his very life, going to the cross, bearing the guilt of our sin, bearing that very thing that that, uh, that is offensive to God and keeps us from God, he bears all of it, the guilt of it, uh, in order to rescue us. Uh, in, in order uh, not to take life from us, but to give life to us. Real life. Life that lasts. Uh, he, he, the theme of his life is... Jesus saying, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. That's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. Uh, And and having done that to the full, now he says to us, I seek not what is yours, but you. You. To, to, To give everything, to rescue us from our sin and the judgment it deserves, to bring us into his family. Uh, to to walk with us for all eternity, to transform us so we look like him, so we have what real life is more and more and more. Jesus doesn't come to take and steal. Uh, He comes to give. Now, don't misunderstand. Uh, There are most definitely sacrifices involved in following Jesus. Jesus is very upfront about it. Uh, That that the call to follow Jesus uh, is the call uh, to to leave things behind and make him everything, uh, more and more by his grace. King Jesus lays claim to all our lives. But even those sacrifices and the hard roads he takes us down, it's not because uh, Jesus is showing up to take, 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 steal, steal. He's actually, in that and through that, bringing us to what is greater life. More life, not less. And, and that's what King Jesus is. That's what he does. And that's what he he calls us to see and take to heart. Again, uh, see this from, uh, from, from the lips of Jesus. Maybe, maybe for the first time, uh, but, but maybe, maybe just renewing who he is and receive it in faith. Jesus saying these words we read from 14 and 15. I seek not what is yours, but you, for I was gladly spent for your souls. That's the good news of Jesus. And I will believe that good news, and there is life. Well, very quickly, let's look at the, the final verses. We could call it this. Uh, don't confuse weakness for powerlessness. Don't confuse weakness for powerlessness. Um, so Paul says he's going to make this third visit to them. And, and as he gets to verse 20, he says, yeah, let me tell you, I'm a bit afraid. I'm afraid of what I might find. Uh, he, he says, uh, I, I'm afraid that when I come, I may find you not as I wish. Uh, it's almost like, uh, you know, the, the parents go out for, for the evening and leave the big kids in charge. And they're a little worried about what they're going to find when they come home, like things might like be a mess. Uh, that's kind of Paul. He's been away for a while, and he's like, oh, what am I going to find as the spiritual parent when I get back? And and he, he mentions then uh, a fear that he's going to find both relationship ugliness and and personal holiness uh, muck. Uh, so for for on the side of relationships, verse 20, he says, that perhaps there may be among you quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, disorder, so just the people fighting and 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 devouring one another. He's afraid about that relationship mess. But then he goes on verse twenty one and mentions uh, issues of of personal holiness or lack thereof, and and, and fears that he's going to encounter those who haven't turned or repented of impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they've that they have practiced. Uh, again, he says, "I fear I might not find you as I wish." And, then he, then he picks up there and says, uh, and that you might not find me as you wish. Uh, again, almost like a parent, uh, he's not excited, Paul's not excited to come home and find this mess, but if he if he does, if he's forced to it, he's, he's going to be, as a parent, have to be a bit stern with them. And he says, you might not like that. That's, that's not how he would like to welcome me. Uh, the parent coming home and, and parent is... Is is displeased and has to be a little stern uh, in order to in order to deal with what's really dangerous sin in their uh, in their lives. And then in the very end of the passage, he he quickly connects it to Jesus again. This idea we look at Paul, He wants us to see Jesus. So let's just quick read three and four of chapter thirteen. He says, "Since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me, he Christ is not weak in dealing with you." But he's powerful among you. He was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. Uh, for we are weak also in him, but in dealing with you, we live by the power of God. Um, Paul says, in him, we get, we get this reflection of, of, of Jesus. Uh, yes, Jesus came uh, in weakness as a servant. Uh, but, but don't confuse weakness with, with powerlessness, Right? Christ is the reigning king. He's the, he's the Lord of all. Uh, and, and, and so he comes to us, uh, yes, to serve, but like a, like a good parent, uh, there are times when, when, when sternness is necessary to, to rescue us from ourselves. And it's actually good uh, that Jesus has both uh, a servant's heart and servant's attitude, but also power. It means he actually can help us when we need it. When we're going the wrong way, he can actually help us to turn around and, and, not, and not harm ourselves. Uh, he can give us the strength through his spirit to lift us up. Uh, that's actually good news. Uh, don't confuse weakness with powerlessness. But putting this all together, we're thinking about relating to the Lord and, and how the Lord relates to us. Again, such a huge subject. there's so much we can't say, but take in a few key ideas uh, to really to really uh, bring home with us. Uh, in many ways, our, our reading from the book of Revelation fits in here. Maybe you can see it uh, because we saw in Revelation how Jesus is pictured. He's the lamb who is slain, uh, but now he's ruling as the Lord of history. That's it, That's Jesus. That's how he relates to us. Right? The the gentleness, the the sacrifice. That's what a lamb is. A lamb's given uh, to sacrifice. So you don't have to die. The lamb dies in your place. Well, that's Jesus. That's what he came to do. Right? He came to to be spent for our souls. He's the lamb who was was sacrificed so that we might have life. He dies. He's the servant. Uh, But he's also the exalted Lord of history. Uh, the, The mighty one. And that's actually good news, right? The the angels in heaven rejoice and they're singing because he's the Lord of all. Uh, And it's good news for us, too. Uh, It means he can actually help us. He can actually lead us to where life is uh, and out of where life is is not. Uh, So, so, yeah, we see Paul here, uh, but, but we get this picture of something much bigger, which is the Lord himself the one who comes to be spent for our souls in order that we might know him, uh, know him as the great king and Lord of all, who who loves us with an everlasting love. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray that you would help us to to see who you are and to, Lord, to be drawn through your spirit, uh, to to confess that you are the, uh, the savior and the king, Uh, To to bow before you and Lord, that we might know through faith in in that Jesus, uh, life and life eternal. We pray that for each of us in increasing measure. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.